Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting installment of the Capital City Crew Podcast. Today, we are here to talk to you all about Nexus and Cadmus. Indeed. We are also going to inform you all about how they aren't actually bugs. Um, but more on that in a minute. So kicking things off today uh, are my usual compatriots. We have Jeff Mansker, Hello. Josh Antelin, and Obergon. All right. So uh, I think we're going to get this started with really a little bit of discussion about the fluff. Who Who is Nexus? Who is Cadmus? What's the difference between them? And we'll, we'll get into the rest of this, but uh, let's start with just the flavor and the feel. Uh, who wants to start that off? Um, I think Josh wants to start that off. Oh my god, I hate all of you. Like, I've told you a million times that Nexus is not a bug. If are- it's got, like, a little shell and you squish it and the white stuff comes out and it's icky... And creepy, it's a bug, and it's you got, are it's got bug eyes. You're wrong on like six different levels, and you know props to Weird for doing a very good job of having all of the like terminology and taxonomy be appropriate for arachnids, which include ticks and mites and spiders, and that's all what Nexus is. It's a bunch of arachnids and bugs, not arachnids. This is my pedantic hill that I will die on, or more accurately, kill on. Would you call this a pedantic anthill? No. No, I would not. Because it, it seems kind of buggy. Mm. <laughs> ants! Fun fact, ants also not bugs. So shut up. <laughs> Alright, so with that, with that exciting educational lesson out of the way... Uh, I guess that covers all the fluff. <laughs> Jeff, would you like to tell us a little bit about the actual fluff of Nexus in the context of Malta? <laughs> Uh, sure. Uh, Nexus was created by Titania, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, except uh, then Titania deci- decided uh, that Nexus, uh, or Cadmus, as it were, uh, was actually too difficult to control because it decided to infect a fae when Titania said, don't do that. Well, it wasn't possible for Titania to kill Cadmus due to how Cadmus was designed. So she locked it away, and then it was released at some point, and now it's running wild, and uh, Titania doesn't want to have anything to do with it, so uh, naturally they went to the Explorer Society for reasons. If given an opportunity to make a hive mind, just don't do it, guys. It's never a good idea. Literally never works out. So one of the things I think is interesting about the, the backstory of this, especially being an outst- outcast player, uh, is from from... Matt and Kyle talking on the Third Floor Wars podcast the other day, they mentioned that they wanted to design another sort of horde hive type master, but they wanted to be really careful to make it mechanically distinct from Hamlin, who was another kind of, I have my mind control, all of my millions of followers and rats and whatnot. So I think they really succeeded in making something different and unique um and 
and yeah, I, I think they, they did a really good job making this super creepy. Yes, hordes apparently pass out tokens. It's just very different kinds of tokens in this case. I will say, I think this is a much better iteration than uh, plague tokens and making people sick. The parasite um, it, with Hamlin in the past, you know, you, if you get uh, diseased or the plague, you know, it, it's it's bad. But most people are like, eh, you know, it happens uh, with Nexus. It's not something you can ignore. This is a major part of this crew. And if you try to ignore it, it's going to cost you the game. So with that said, like, why don't we jump straight into the, the mechanics? So we, we've thrown around a bunch of these phrases, parasites and taking people over and the tokens and whatnot. But what do these, what do these guys do on the tabletop uh, for those who aren't super familiar with Nexus? Uh, to answer your question, <laughs> is uh, what they do on the tabletop is uh, they pass out parasite tokens uh, which is basically a uh, the parasite token itself uh, makes it to where you are considered a friendly Cadmus model uh, from that point on. Uh, and if you get any more parasite tokens, you, t- you take two irreducible damage. Um, the friendly Cadmus model is the most important part of the parasite uh, because ca- uh, Nexus can cast through anybody that's a friendly Cadmus model, which is all of my crew and potentially parts of your crew if you have a parasite token but on top of that uh they have a unique mechanic of being able to pass around wounds and that they receive and healing that they receive to other models so if you have a parasite token and you charge into one of my models to do two damage i can take one of that two damage and give it back to you uh so it's a kind of a pseudo armor if you have a parasite around but if that parasite is not on you it's completely ineffective and uh all, there's no defenses in this crew aside from that so yeah, there are a bunch of moving parts that are associated with uh, Nexus's functionality in this. Uh, he gets an upgrade whenever you, you deploy him, uh, the Hive upgrade, which lets you uh, which triggers that effect on the Parasite tokens. The Parasite tokens make enemy models, or you can count enemy models as friendly models uh, and for the purpose of actions and abilities. Uh, and also the if they if a model has a parasite token and then gains the other one, all that stuff is on the the hive upgrade. Um, and the neat thing about the hive upgrade is that if you kill Cadmus or you kill Nexus, uh, it passes to another Cadmus model. So you can't just kill the hive mind by killing the person in charge. It'll keep spreading, which really does add to the hive mind feel of the the Cadmus playstyle. But just correct that. Count, having them count as friendly Cadmus models is relevant for a huge swath of uh, actions and abilities within the crew. And these will come up over and over again when you're looking at the individual models. Sometimes you'll see a power that you don't understand why you would ever use this on a friendly model, but then you realize, hey, you can do this to an enemy as well. Uh, and it does some really nasty things as a result. And we'll probably we'll touch on those as we're going through the individual models. It's the... Uh, Omnipresent influence ability is the one that lets you cast through or use abilities and uh, drawing line of sight and range from other friendly Cadmus models. And there's a once per turn restriction on that, which is one important thing to note that uh, you have to keep track of who you've used omnipresent influence on. 
so that you uh, don't violate that once per turn restriction on Nexus's ability, either for the Omnipresent Influence or the We Are Legion, which is the one that lets you pass around uh, healing or damage through two different models in the crew. I literally just now realized in this uh, while while we're recording this, uh, uh, technically, if you have no other Cadmus models on the table, you can pass Will of Cadmus over to an enemy model with a Parasite token. I don't know why you would ever do that, but you can. Weird. Winning Super weird. Off the field. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't... Hey, weird stuff happens at Malfo. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, you know, as Jeff and Josh have kind of started digging into Cadmus and playing this, one of the things that you hear a lot about is, you know, Third Floor Wars and even on this cast is that this is a difficult mastery. You know, there's a lot of a learning curve into that. So I was kind of wondering how many games have you guys kind of played in? What was your learning curve like? How many games did it kind of take you to get to the, the basics before you started doing, you know, all those extra fun things that make this into the game that we love? Uh, I have only had two games with Cadmus. I played one against Jeff, uh, fielding Rezzers, and I played one where I fielded uh, Cadmus against Yuko. Uh, and I I didn't go in blind. I had studied the cards a bit before it. Uh, I think Nexus is one of those masters that if you don't know what you're going up against, it's going to be a really bad time. Uh, so I had a pretty good idea how to do it. But there's still a lot of nuance associated with it and uh i know jeff has had way more games uh with nexus than i have so what do you think about the learning curve on that one so during the beta uh and there was uh, quite a things that that changed but during the beta i say i probably played around uh nine or ten games uh with the cadmus crew kind of helping to isolate down and making suggestions. And then after a release, uh, I've probably, that's roughly eight eight or nine games. So roughly right around 19 to 20 games uh, with Cadmus. And it definitely shows. So I've played against Cadmus piloted by Jeff, uh, I think only the one time, um, but then read battle reports on, on the forums and, and during the beta. Um, but it, it is definitely a potent and powerful force. Um, and it's definitely one of those ones where I think probably both playing as it and playing against it uh, for the first time or even the, the second or third time, there's a lot of nuance to be had in how all the pieces fit together um, that if you stick with it, it's extremely powerful, but at first blush, it might seem uh, confusing to, to put all the pieces together. Oh, your, your first game, your first couple of games, hands down, you are going to forget abilities. You are going to not realize how some things work. You're going to look at cards and be like, I don't understand why this exists. Uh, hopefully we're going to dispel some of those things and give you some tips so you can play a better Nexus uh, and a better Cadmus crew. Um, but in general, um, you're, there's things you're going to forget and you're going to mess up on a lot of stuff because this crew is very... Uh, I'm not going to say setup intensive. It's there's a lot of moving parts to it and a lot of things that you have to keep track of. So would you say it's kind of like uh, summer teeth where he has all the different ores and he has to, you know, if you have a model out by half an inch, that's going to mess up a random combo. 
where once you kind of get that positioning game in, or is it a learning curve of memorization? Um, I wouldn't equate Cadmus to any other master. I think Cadmus is very unique within Malifaux right now. Um, there are some elements, uh, as has been mentioned, of Ulix, uh, similar to like the Grow mechanic, uh, a little bit of Hamlin with the the whole Plague mechanic. But the way that they function, uh, you can kind of consider Parasite uh, to be a little bit like uh, Vengeance from the Karai crew. Um, but they function entirely independently, and I don't think that this crew is much like any other crew. Yeah, there's a positioning element, and then there's a remembering the different components element, and uh, how the how the two actually fit together is sometimes not obvious. So yeah, all, all those things that make other masters complicated. Yes, <laughs> I, I will say they did weird nailed the. I don't know how you guys feel about when you're playing it, but I've kind of I don't I won't ever take Nexus in a. Um, uh, what is the the game that we played together? The uh, the bounty game. Um, the collect public bounty? executions. Uh, pu- public enemies, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would never take Nexus into that because weird nailed the never ending tide of bugs feeling uh, with Nexus mm. and how they just keep coming back, and uh, it, that is not good for the, those type of games. But the other games is I think it's great for. Yeah, oh my god, staying on top of those bugs, especially like if you're playing a melee crew, is nuts. Yeah. Well, and the the complexity, I think, isn't so much about the positioning. Like, it's not that unforgiving on positioning, I think. It's more knowing how to optimally stack the various abilities. So the, the We Are Legion, when you're going to pass health, or damage to which models, the timing that you want to activate your models to try to get parasites out. There, I think there's a lot of a lot of activation order and combo potential in this crew, and that's where the complexity really lies. And this is a, a hidden little uh, game, if you like, or not really a game, but a hidden little tactic uh, for the Cadmus crew. Their main uh, purpose, which you don't really realize when you first look at them, is they are very big into card denial, uh, making your opponent discard the cards because a lot of their abilities are low stat um, or the you know they're just designed to make you like their triggers make you discard cards and once you get past those cards their crew functions at a level another level so to that point um why don't we take a quick break and when we come back let's dive into the crew and uh start going through the models Hello. Do you like our podcast and want to ensure that it continues to run? Maybe you want to hear our outtakes on unedited footage. Or perhaps you're just flush with cash and you like being generous. Either way, we've set up a Patreon just for you. If you like us, please consider donating. Our Patreon can be located in the show notes. If not, we're all pretty sure that it's Herman's fault. Either way, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a comment. Thanks. All right, welcome back. So in this next segment, we are going to step through the models of the Cadmus keyword, starting with the master Nexus. And for each of these models, 
we're not going to read the card, but we're going to give a quick gist of what does this thing do and what is its role in the crew and if there's any sort of gotchas or, or quick tips. Um, so let's get that started with Jeff. Do you want to go over Nexus as the master in sort of the core model? Yeah, so Nexus is uh, obviously the the master of this, and uh, the big thing that you need to know about her is she can cast through uh, other models, like we mentioned, other friendly Cadmus models, which may include your crew if they have a parasite. Uh, they can only she can only do it once per turn uh, with a twelve inch range, and she has siphon power, so she can give herself a, a suit by passing the damage off. I want to make a note here for our listeners. Uh, because it's one irreducible damage, she can still pass the damage off to another uh, model, but she still suffers the damage. So don't be surprised if you're standing next to Nexus and she passes one damage to you from d- using Siphon Power. Uh, it would normally reduce the damage she takes, but because the damage is irreducible, she still takes it, but you also receive it. So it's kind of weird how that interaction works. But... Um, she has a melee uh, ability called Hive Strike. Um, it's not a high damage track, but your opponent has to discard a card or gain a Parasite. That's the large thing that's on this card, with it being stat 7. And some neat little tricks that you can pull with this is with her uh, Transmutation, where you can change one condition into another uh, that has a value. So Nexus... The next, uh, sorry, the Cadmus crew is very good at stacking poison, and she can change like four stacks of poison into, uh, well, I guess it's a maximum of two, but two stacks of poison into two focus, or two, uh, uh, what's the, the shielded. So that's a, a fun little interaction right there. But she has, you have to, it's a one inch range. So uh, the next thing she does is the exoskeletal connection. This is one of those abilities that's going to be tricky for people to use. Um, it's kind of similar to how, uh, t- uh, Lilith worked, but you drop a 50 millimeter, uh, severe web marker and a base contact with the target that you're targeting. Then you place the target into base contact from the model that this action's line of sight was, were, was drawn from. So, uh, it also has a surge trigger and a shed skin where you get to get rid of the conditions. But the big thing about this is your target gets a web marker next to them then you place the target from where you drew this line of sight from. So you're going to have to figure, and keep in mind, you can only draw line of sight from a uh, Cadmus model once per activation. So uh, if you go from a, uh, if it's not from Nexus herself, if you go from any other model, you can only do it once per turn. Uh, But you can also do interesting things like leapfrogging a model up the table by going six inches out and then uh, 12 inches out and uh, pulling a model twice, uh, leaving web markers along the way, which help uh, other models in this crew. Uh, then she can uh, summon eyes and ears uh, with her Citizens of Malifo bonus action. Uh, you're going to be doing that for the first two or three turns, uh, getting these uh, eyes and ears out. Uh, and then her last bonus action is Soul Shock, which is really good. Uh, it, it's a two-inch pulse from the model that you're drawing uh, range from. Uh, that's a target number 14 defense duel, or they gain a Parasite token. And then you can make that mod, just for fun, make that model that su- that you're targeting uh, suffer one point of damage, which keep in mind if you're in the middle of a crew, which is what you're doing because you're pulsing out. Uh, you can either do it from an 
enemy model that has a parasite token, or you can do it on your own model and pass that one damage off to something with a parasite token near it. So a lot of stuff going on with this card, and that doesn't even include the upgrade at the end of the turn, uh, and we'll get to that at a later point. But uh, she's a lot, lot of things going on there. So some interesting things about her that I found. Uh, Siphon power on Nexus is just incredibly strong. Uh, the siphon power plus the siphon life trigger on a stat seven attack is a really good way of upping your damage for not very much cost to you. Uh, it gets it up to uh, two, four, five damage, which is a respectable damage spread on a very accurate attack. Well, three, four, five if you're if you have a parasite uh, token near her. Uh, yes. Well, it, so also siphon power isn't doesn't have to be done to Nexus. So yep. if a model has a parasite token, they count as friendly. So you can target them with the siphon power damage. You can just ping someone for one damage for the privilege of doing an extra one damage on your attack. It is a real cruel thing to do to someone because you can just do that as, uh, as many models that you uh, want to uh, you can do it as many times as you want per turn. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, every time you declare an action, you can uh, siphon power off of someone. You can do uh, granted, it. Granted, We Are Legion is only can only target. Yeah, you can't target the same model with We Are Legion four times, but if you have four models around you, you can just ping them all for a little bit of damage, just automatically, automatic irreducible damage. It's hard to beat. The big thing with Nexus is if you're going to go in on her, you need to make sure you kill her because if you don't, she's going to put a parasite token on you because you're in her melee range now and you're, you're going to die. I mean, the, once you get a parasite token on you and you're near Nexus, she's going to kill you. You, you come after the queen, you best not miss. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A couple questions to bring up as we're going through like Nexus in the card here. Uh, one of the ones is, when do you all see yourselves activating Nexus in the turn? Is it something that you're kind of saving to a little bit later, or you're starting out the turn with? And also, when you're starting to use Citizens of Malifo, are you going for, I think it's a maximum of three eyes and ears you can summon at a time, or is two fine? What's the balance? You can actually do for? four if you have a Red Joker. Yeah, but you're not going to use a Red Joker. So are you going to drop that severe or whatever you need for three? So you only need an 11 to get out three, and uh, that depends on what turn it is. Turn one, yes, I will drop the 11 to get out three eyes and ears. Um, in later turns, I'm going to have to kind of balance out what I'm looking for. But it, I found that if you do three on turn one and three on turn two, uh, then you usually have the maximum that you uh, can field unless people start killing them. So um, that's when you ch I usually transition over the first uh, turn or two. I'll go early with Nexus. And then following that, I'll try to hold Nexus until later in the turns because of how she interacts. And uh, I want to position models ahead of time. But for the first two turns, she's positioning the models. So it's kind of a give or take there. Yeah, the, the timing on Nexus activation really depends on what you're trying to do with her and what exactly you're trying to accomplish. If you're just trying to get people into position early in the turn, you want to go probably second after the archivist, in my opinion. Uh, if you're trying to do damage, 
uh, going later in the turn to leverage both Hive Strike's high accuracy against the opponent with a depleted hand, and also the ability to hand out Parasite tokens with Hive Strike or Soul Shock. Uh, doing that later in the turn when they don't have as many resources to protect against that or to prevent the Parasite tokens is is really advantageous. So there's not a set time depending on... It really depends on what you're trying to accomplish with her. And And since you can't do both positioning and offense... You tailor that appropriately. Yeah, I think uh, Josh had a really good point there of uh, you need to decide what you want to do that turn because of how her mechanic works. If you have good positioning in turn like three or four, maybe you do want to go with her first where uh, I have a stat of seven. I target one of your models and you have to make a choice of, uh, you know, the stat seven is really high. But if you cheat in a high card and I still hit you, now you got to choose to discard a card or get a Parasite token. And the name of the game here is do not get Parasite tokens. Like, they are really bad for your crew. So uh, that's where I said that this, there's kind of a sub-game with Nexus of controlling your enemy's hand. Because in her activation alone, she can potentially deplete your entire hand. So let's... Why don't we move on to going through the rest of the models here? Um, I think a good segue or a good next one to cover would be the summonable eyes and ears. Well, do we want to hit her uh, upgrade uh, first? Uh, yeah, we can talk about the upgrade. So, so uh, the upgrade, the Will of Cadmus, it just tells you what parasite tokens actually do. Um, so if you get a second one on you, you get two irreducible damage. But it gives Nexus a unique ability where after every other model has activated, she can activate again, similar to Terra with Slow. Uh, but she is only allowed to use one ability. And the one ability, then this is where you want to have a lot of Cadmus models. The stat for the ability is the number of uh, Cadmus models in play, including enemy models with a Parasite token. Uh, and... Then it's divided by two. Keep in mind, in Malifaux, you round down, you don't round up. Divided by so two. If you have, yep, divide by two. Um, so with uh, Will of Cadmus, this is a very difficult ability to use, and this is where uh, I haven't gotten to the point where I can use this uh, super effectively uh, yet. So you're usually using your cards throughout the turn, and when you get to the end turn, you don't really have a whole lot of cards in your hand. Uh, but... Uh, even with a st- uh, 12 Cadmus models on the table, that's still only a stat of six, which means you need to get a six just to get this to go off. And you get to use it twice, but what you get to do is you can take a non-charge general action. Uh, but there are three triggers. One lets you do a melee action instead of a general action. One lets you uh, move the model two inches after resolving. And then the last one is, which is, I think, probably the most important, is when resolving the uh, general action, uh, the target gets to ignore its insignificant ability. So the shambling nests, the eyes and ears, they can potentially be scheme runners for you. But once again, you're keeping a decently high card. I can tell you, usually I'm at a stat of four or five for this, not at a six or seven. Um, You're keeping a decent high hard card in your hand till the end of the turn, and it's usually going to be uh, the, the crow that you're looking for in order to do this ability. So you've got to plan this ahead of time for using it at the end of the turn, and you got to make sure that you keep those cards in your hand. On the upshot, with Siphon Power, you'll always have the suit. 
that that's true. But keep in mind, this the the limiting factor here is the six inch range. Granted, with uh, Nexus, she can technically go uh, if you have all the positioning correct, eighteen inches with it. So twelve inches out to a model, and then. Uh, target a model that's six inches away, uh, but that's a that's a big positioning game. Uh, so there's a lot of things you, you're going to have to plan this stuff ahead of time. Uh, you can't just kind of uh, go on the fly and expect this crew to work. Eh, fly, get it? Because spiders eat them. Okay. So next is Toten are the shambling nests, which are just creepy as hell to look at. Not gonna lie, they are just absolutely unnerving. Um, they share the We Are Legion ability. Um, but their, their two big shticks are having from the shadows and, uh, having an automatic way of putting, uh, parasite tokens on an opponent with a successful melee attack. Uh, from the shadows is a great ability to have on these totems because it allows you to have nodes for Nexus's longer range attacks using, uh, omnipresent influence, uh, right from the get go. You can position a shambling nest farther up the field and then use exoskeletal connection to start pulling models out of your deployment zone and positioning them up the field very rapidly. Uh, the downside for that tactic is that shambling nests are incredibly slow with move three. So they really do need some assistance from the rest of the crew to move much past that. Uh, in melee, they are both annoying and dangerous. They For a free totem, which you get two of, uh, they have two-inch range melee. Uh, couple that with eight wounds and hard to wound, uh, and you have just a little tank that you can uh, position in different places on the board. They're hard to dislodge, and your opponent will be uh, resistant to get up into melee range with them because even though they have stat four, if they land that hit, that's just a parasite token that you can do nothing about. And as we've stated all throughout this, the worst thing in the world is to have a parasite token on you. So I was going to say, one of the questions I have for the Nexus players is how important are these things to you all? Like, cause when I was playing against it, I was like, Oh, those things are going to immediately die. And I dedicated like a saber to Cerberus to killing them. I mean, that's a big beater going for a free totem. But to me, that was like a worthwhile thing to get those parasite tokens out of the way to get those things out of my face. How do you feel as an Nexus player? Do you keep one forward and one back to keep it alive? Do you try to stagger them? Do you put them both forward as threats? Does it impact your gameplay a lot to lose them? Uh, I think it depends on the crew that you're going up against. Uh, like I said, Shambling Nests are kind of hard to dislodge. They are 8 wounds, defense 5, uh, hard to wound. So it takes it takes a decent chunk to get rid of them. It's not a casual thing to get rid of a Shambling Nest. Um so if your opponent can't reliably do that, I think you can be more aggressive with them. But they are a reasonably high priority target just because the consequence of them landing an attack is really high. And the utility of having a model up the field that Nexus can attack through is also really high. So I do think they are high priority targets that you want to uh, not position foolishly. You don't want to put them out into a place where your opponent can easily take them out without like, Overcommitted. I found the best way to use the shambling nests for me is leaving one closer to midboard that uh, ne- that Nexus herself can use as a conduit to pull models up, uh, and having one further up that is there to threaten the crew, not in danger, but enough to uh, make the enemy crew concerned about it being there. Um, 
But I, I do want to point out, then I don't, uh, I don't want somebody to get this wrong because actually in some of my earlier games I did. Uh, Exoskeleton Connection is a, an attack action. So Nexus cannot target herself with it. So she can't cast through uh, a shambling nest to move herself six inches of the board because you are not allowed to attack yourself, no matter who you're drawing line of sight from. So with the Nexus is the only person that she can't target uh, with the exoskeletal connection. So don't don't mix that up. That's really useful though. I was there for that game. For, yeah, right. Uh, it's very useful to hear from y'all about how vital these are because i know when i played looking at them i was like this guy is going to be a problem um and so just it activating late but being behind some terrain where i couldn't immediately get at it really warped my movement because i did not want to get close enough for a end of turn run up and parasite me although it, it ended up happening anyway, and Terra got a Parasite turn one, which is super bad. And we'll we'll talk more about why that's super bad um, when we talk about strategy. But, but these things, I think, are, are a lot tougher than they might initially seem uh, and uh, are going to be worth trying to take out if you can. They did do a good job with the, uh, the Shambling Nest with it's just tanky enough where you can't casually just look at it and it falls over. You have to commit resources to taking it out, but it's also just threatening enough that you can't leave it alone. So it's kind of that borderline. If you leave it alone, it's going to cause you problems. If you go after it, it's going to take resources. So it seems like a pretty good spot to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to jump into all the rest of the crew uh, and who they are and what they do. Stick with us. All right, and welcome back. We are going to resume our discussion of all the models. So we've heard about the Shambling Nests. We heard about Nexus. Let's talk about the things that Nexus summons. The eyes and ears, the infested citizens of Malfa running around informing and doing nefarious deeds. Her, uh, Jeff, you want to give us a quick overview of what this guy's role is in your crew? Uh, sure. They uh, Basically, the eyes and ears completely uh, devolve down into they are nodes for Nexus. They can lure your own models uh because their lure is so low, uh, it, it's not going to happen very often. You need an eight just to pass that target number. But with a tome, you can make it to where you only need a six. Uh, but they suffer two damage from it. Um, they have a low chance of making it to where you can reveal uh, a random card from an enemy's hand. Uh, but in general, the big thing that these guys are doing is being a conduit for Nexus and then running into the enemy's face, hoping they kill you so you can get another chance of getting a Parasite token off. Um, specifically in one of my games, I believe I was playing Owen, um, I paired this with uh, the Nexus... Uh, upgrade flush with cash and stood uh, eyes and ears around Nexus so that every time they were they were killed, I get a soul stone from it. So you can create a little soul stone farm going that way. But they're they're not impressive minions at all. They are the same cost as a rat, Malifaux rat. So 
um, don't expect a whole lot out of them, and they die very easily. So, do you? Well, actually, so good question. I mean, the models aren't out yet, but how many of these things do you think folks should be bringing to the table? Like, how many do you, will they likely to have concurrently? Is it five? Five. Okay. Yeah, you definitely need all of these models. Like I said, with a Red Joker, you can summon four in a turn. Um, now, granted, you're going to be turning uh, at least one a turn into a Berserker Husk, or at least you should be. Um, but you, you're going to want them on the table because they, uh, they're they very easy, cheap summons, uh, similar to a Malifo Rat. But they, uh, they offer a little bit more to you. Um, and then uh, they're just an annoyance uh, for like people don't want them around, and uh, even they uh, count as a conduit for uh, we are legion. So if you run in on them and you do four damage, well, they're doing one damage back to you automatically if you have a parasite token. So they they're not bad, but they're just not good either. And I mean that's something you keep talking about we are legion in the sense of there being parasite tokens and it going back to you. But something to also consider, like, just when you're attacking this crew, is they all essentially have armor one. And if you're going into any of the ones that have, like, arcane shield, like the archivist or the spell eaters, they're essentially armor two because they're passing off one of those to somebody, to anybody, really. And then they're taking the one hit on the shielded as well. So ping damage is going to be less effective, like, than you'd think versus a specific target, even though the damage itself is still going out to the entire crew. That is true. That is a fact that I was very sad to realize um, while trying to pulse out damage to them uh, in my game. So you know, be aware they are. Yeah, it also gets uh, more problematic when there are parasite tokens around and your pulsing out damage just gets returned back to you. Yes, <laughs> that's that's the main that's the main problem. Like, oops, all of them actually hit your master instead. Um, Okay, so you have the eyes and ears. They're hanging out. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned that you should be turning these things into berserker husks. Um, what? Tell us about the berserker husk. What is it? What's it going to be doing? Uh, the berserker husk. That's kind of going to be your your mainstay uh, model in this crew. The one that you're going to be uh, need to learn how to use the most. Their defenses aren't very good. They're only defense four. They have a built-in uh, draw to pain trigger on their defense, but they're hard to wound, and they have eight wounds. Uh, they come in uh, with six if you bring them in from a um, uh, an eyes and ears, and then when they activate near a Meredith, they'll get another uh, life back. So they'll usually be sitting out around seven uh, when they're standing there. Uh, but the big thing is uh, they're a stat six, two, three, five damage track, uh, which is really good. But the big thing, several models have the Swarm of Might's ability, and that's the thing that you really need to be concerned with. Once the Parasite tokens start to flow, they run into the middle of your crew and do two damage to themselves and then pulse out one damage in a two-inch aura, which they can do a mask trigger with that to potentially give out a Parasite token to anything that's damaged by this. Well, I mean, anything that causes automatic damage is really good, and 
you, what you're going to be look to, looking to do with these guys is run them next to something that has a parasite token where they take one point of damage, they pass off one point of damage to the model with parasite, and then they pulse out the damage of one. So you could potentially be hitting a large amount of models because it's a two inch pulse and making them take a defense duel or gain a parasite token, which could potentially be uh, like a parasite tokens are bad, but it could also give another two irreducible damage on top of things if they already have one. So it's that's the big thing these these guys are doing. So there's actually a second big thing, at least from an opponent point of view, that I really like to point out to with these guys, is as we talk about Explorer Society and we talk about Nexus and Cadmus and the keyword, uh, we focus a lot on willpower and how it's kind of low across the board. And so one of the things when I was trying to play into this is I was looking at taking terrifying models, models that they're going to struggle to attack, models that they're going to have to throw high cards at in order to get past these willpower duels. These guys have Ruthless. They are able to ignore terrifying and so even though you may use that as a counterplay going into Explore Society as a whole or into ways of attacking uh, Cadmus Keyword, his main beaters are going to sidestep that particular defensive ability. Now, don't let that discourage you um, into bringing Terrifying. Those shambling nests that we mentioned are also only willpower three, and they don't have any way of getting around that terrifying. So if you bring a model with terrifying 11 or 12, uh, you know, I'm, I have to cheat in a, a 10 to uh, meet that number of a, uh, a 13 on some of, the, some of the hanged models and things like that. That's, they're good. It's a good counter for the shambling nests. It's just weird was smart enough to put the berserker husks with ruthless in. Berserker uh, husks are nasty in melee, but they're also move four. Um, since you're likely not going to be hiring Berserker Husks, Berserker Husks are frequently uh, generated by Meredith Stanley, who I guess we'll discuss in a, in a bit. Um, if you can just keep them away from the action as much as possible, that also really helps. Uh, you can drop Staggered on them to get them down to move two, so you just don't have to contend with them, which is nice. Uh, which is the thing I've done to at least delay them approaching to drop their annoying little swarm of mites. So... Uh, Josh their brings up a really good point. Abysmal, um, but their damage is good. Yeah, yeah, Josh brings up a really good point. Of uh, they, a lot of this crew is very slow with a move of four, but they also throw out web markers uh, that are severe terrain. Unfortunately, most of this crew is uh, they are still affected by severe terrain. So if you have a web marker in the way of your berserker husk, it's going to take them their entire activation just to get past that web marker, like uh, to move a whole two inches. It's going to suck. So uh, watch your if you're playing as Cadmus, watch out for where you put those web markers. They severely slow down your crew. If you're playing against Cadmus, uh, doing AOE pulse of st uh, staggered uh, is really good, and doing an AOE of any willpower duels is also very good. But to actually bring the Berserker husks to the table, uh, you're probably going to rely on Meredith Stanley, who is uh, the henchman in the Cadmus crew. So before you dig super deep into her, how linchpin is she to this crew? Is she a taking it every single time? Yes. Absolutely. And what's nice is it, she is a linchpin, but she only costs eight. So that's a, a good thing. If you can take out Meredith Stanley early, uh, that never-ending tide of arachnids uh, that uh, Josh likes, um, will ah. you can kind of put a hamper on that. Yeah, Meredith brings a lot to the table for her eight stones. Uh, she has the ability 
a fungus among us, which I'm really not certain why it's a fungus. That's my one outstanding question about this crew. Um, but it lets you remove a corpse web uh, to upgrade your eyes and ears to a berserker husk. And then the berserker husk heals three. So you can convert those those crappy eyes and ears to nominally less crappy uh, berserker husks, which is a very nice thing. Uh, healing draws, you can, you can pass healing to other models in your crew uh, if they don't start within three inches of uh, Meredith. So you can have a Berserker Husk heal one, and then you can pass that back to Nexus or to another higher priority model. Uh, and then she has a bunch of stuff that she just straight up stole from McMorning's crew with uh, rancid transplant, alchemical vials, uh, handing out poison and injured all over the place. Uh, and she can use that poison with the biological warfare trigger on rancid transplant to... Uh, to hand out parasite tokens. So really, she's doing all of the essential stuff that you want in this crew. She's passing out healing. She's upgrading your models. She's passing out nasty conditions. It's a really key piece for this entire crew. And like you said, killing that early on will really put a damper on uh, the functionality of the Cadmus crew. Can you imagine that against the um, drunk gremlins? The brewmaster? Ooh, ooh, yo, oof. Yeah, that's uh, don't poison your own guys. Uh, Meredith Stanley's in the crew, but the big thing uh, that and we kind of uh, missed over this one is uh, the other thing she's bringing, which is a little bit of a linchpin. We mentioned how uh, Nexus herself is very slow with a move of four. Uh, Meredith Stanley, uh, her bonus action, you can discard a card to move Nexus four inches. So that's a, a big boon that she's bringing to the table, but. Her quarantine is another thing that's very unique. If she targets a friendly Cadmus model, which may include your uh, uh, model with a parasite or an enemy model with a poison plus three, she can make it to where an enemy model cannot end a move within an aura of one of her. Uh, unless the move started within one, so it doesn't make you like completely useless. But uh, what's really cool about this is it makes her completely immune after she uses it to any model that only has a melee reach of one and no ranged abilities. Uh, so anything that falls into that category, uh, we're talking about you, most of Neverborn, um, that she's just completely immune to. If she goes first and uses this, you can't hit her. You can't get to her. So coming from the other side of the table, like I'm looking at her and you're talking about how amazing she is and how she's this glorious linchpin of the crew and how should we all bow in fear and respect her. How do I mess her up? How do I screw with her? Obviously, she's a henchman. She can use soul stones to protect herself, but she's five and five on defense. She doesn't really have anything protecting her other than passing off one damage. You know, how do, do I push her away from the markers? Do I just try to kill her? is it's something where I need to try to, you know, blow it to hell on the markers in between Nexus making the eyes and ears and her getting around to it because she needs specifically that web marker. So you meant, uh, you'll notice that we never talked about re- uh, breakthrough research on the front of her card, where with, when she's within four, uh, an aura of four of a friendly Cadmus model that dies, she gets to draw a card. And the reason why we didn't mention that is because she should not be near models that are dying within four of her. She's one of those models that stays towards the back of the crew because she will go down very quickly. She only has seven wounds with a defense of five, and the only thing keeping her alive is we are Legion and Soul Stones. So... Uh, you know, a stray shot from uh, Seamus, it will kill her in one hit uh, if he gets a severe. So it's, 
you have to be careful with her. And if you get a chance uh, playing against uh, the Cadmus crew, take her out quickly. Uh, it's not difficult to do. Just, you know, commit some resources and remove her from the table. You'll be better off. Getting at her before they start handing out parasite tokens is also pretty important uh, because then even if she's dumping off damage for your legion, she's dumping off damage into her own models and not into your models. Yes, her 8-inch range, you probably want to be as close to the edge of that as possible uh, so you can still drop alchemical vials on the opponent to, to add the poison, still doing rancid transplant, uh, still doing doctor's orders to things that are slightly closer. And you don't want to be much closer than that. Uh, Because, yeah. And I mean, I guess that kind of feeds into going holistically into the keyword. Is To me, Nexus is more afraid of range than he is combat. Would you agree with that? Would you disagree with that? I agree. Um, But, I mean, there are things that you can do to minimize that. Like, you can technically bring in... uh, some out of keyword models, any form of Umbra model to give concealment to things around it. So, and, uh, or uh, anything creating uh, concealing terrain, a lamp lighter or something like that. You can bring things to help to mitigate some of those things if you're worried about facing a ranged crew. Uh, but if you're playing against Nexus, guns are not a, or uh, Nexus Cadmus, guns are not a bad thing. But what I would tell you is you do not want to clump up. Uh, a lot of their stuff are. Uh, centered around pulses, shock waves, and things like that, and uh, using uh, models to cast through. So if you're uh, clumped up and I'm able to get a model uh, in there and you have parasite tokens, uh, I'm going to have a field day and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I I mean, I kind of wanted to touch on that clumping up a little bit because like when we played, it was, again, Marcus Chimera versus Cadmus. And the one thing that noticed is like I, I moved in kind of a bubble because I Marcus in a little bit of a bubble. But one of my Cerberuses had kind of gone off into the side to go after, I believe it was a Spell Eater. And it like it died. It's just like, bloop, dead. Because a Berserker Husk got to it. It was the end of the turn. You got the extra attack off of Nexus's upgrade. So I kind of felt like when I had a model get isolated, it went down very quickly. Whereas the pack itself was kind of able to start chewing through models relatively quickly. Even though that Alchemical Vial was kind of coming into play. So I don't know if you can like talk about that a little bit as well on that kind of that bubbling. Because it's very different than the game that we had. Uh, did you get a parasite token? Nope. Um, uh, then the spell eater just blew you up. That's what they do. I mean, it, 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 the big thing uh, when you're playing against Nexus is uh, you don't ever want to get caught without cards in your hand. It's a good idea to bring card draw because when I come in on a with a berserker husk uh, that's stat six or hitting you with uh, Cadmus or Nexus herself that's stat seven. Uh, the spell eaters also do quite a bit of damage. Like the crew can pump out damage if needed, uh, but first and foremost, they're going to try to run those cards out of your hand because they don't want you to have the defenses uh, available. So um, keep heart, keep the cards. So speaking of defenses, let's go talk a little bit about the archivist, who is who brings an extremely useful and powerful defense aura um, called deafening silence that says enemy models must discard a card to target a friendly Cadmus model within range with a non-claw non-gun action so it it doesn't block guns and, and punching but it blocks all of your nasty summons your lures like all kinds of 
effects. Um, it, it's, I think, an extremely powerful defensive feature that you can also just move around uh, out of its activation using the exoskeleton ability on, on Nexus. I know this was a thorn in my side uh, in the Terra crew, who has a lot of cast type attacks. Um, is this how important is this model to your crew, Jeff? Uh, the Archivist is the, I'd say, even more of a linchpin in the way that I play than Meredith Stanley is. And the reason why uh, is, first of all, the ill omens uh, that he has where you get plus two initiative flips, you're going to need this because your opponent is going to get past tokens from you summoning things all the time. Uh, you're usually going to be a, a, at a, at the end of the turn uh, unless they use their past tokens. I've actually had an opponent that had four past tokens, five past tokens in the turn. Um, but the big things he brings, if you'll notice, Owen was just talking about deafening silence. Great ability. You have to discard a card in order to use something that's a non-claw, non-gun action. And he can also place with the the uh, mask that's on there, which lets him mitigate some of that uh, move four uh, problematic uh, movement. Uh, he has siphon power just like Nexus does, so he can choose the suits that, it, that are going on. And his arcane shield allows him to absorb uh, some of these damage pings that are being passed around. But his inaudible whisper is fantastic uh, because when he uses it, uh, your opponent has to discard a tome or you get to draw a card. So this is once again, more discarding or giving me cards. Uh, and, you know, he's doing two, three, four damage, but he can put in killer late fees that increases it by plus one. So three damage, min three damage is really good. But he can also use font of knowledge. And what I'll do in my early turns is... I'll use this on Nexus and make sure that there's a tome in the duel. He can use Siphon Power to do it. But when Nexus is moving those models around with exoskeleton uh, connection, uh, he, she's going to have a tome for every one of the uh, casts that she does. And that's a, uh, the tome is a uh, surge trigger. So she can draw a card every time she moves a model. So uh, I usually activate the Archivist very early in my turns uh, to force out uh, cards to get that deafening silence going uh, within the aura and to use Font of Knowledge if I need it. Um, they're, they're all really uh, good abilities. And I, the archivist is a very, he, uh, he's not overpowered by any means, but he is a very, very good uh, model. So question for you about this model. Um, and this is coming from someone who loves playing Leviticus, who depends on demise abilities. He has that killer late fees trigger that he can always get, which says it ignores the model's hard to kill or demise abilities, which pretty strong, uh, like not optional. It's not like execute. It just happens. Um, do you see yourself hiring the archivist out of keyword for its ability to take care of demise abilities? So I had the, this discussion earlier. Uh, I think it might've been with Josh or uh, Herman. They designed a lot of Explorer Society models where they don't work as well um, when taking taken out. Like Font of Knowledge becomes completely useless because you can't attack yourself and you can only use it on a friendly Cadmus model. So right there, Font of Knowledge is completely removed from the card uh, if you take it out of keyword. Uh, Deafening Silence is also not useful because it 
uh, it's only, I mean, it's only useful for himself because he's the only friendly Cadmus model in range. It doesn't affect anything else. So that right there, the back of the card is complete, uh, other than inaudible whispers, is completely useless. Uh, and the only uh, trigger that matters for inaudible whispers is killer late fees because other crews aren't going to need a web marker. So there, you'll see this a lot throughout Explorer Society where um, the the models don't, they're great within keyword, but they kind of fall flat outside of their keyword. And I really like how they've done that. I think that more crews within other factions need to be revisited and being added to where the keywords matter a lot more. Um, specifically, if I was going against Levy, possibly because he does rely on those and a 10 inch range is really good, but it would be, uh, you know, paying nine soul stones. I don't know if that's, uh, without any way of putting parasite tokens on, it would have to be a crew that could actually heal him as well because he'd be taking damage to do it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that discussion came out of you being upset that I think keyword is a suggestion in guild. Well, I don't think any keyword should be a suggestion. I think it should be a vital to the way that you play. Maybe Guild just needs better models. But, I mean, I'll agree with Owen that going into, like, Levy, having that dude just pick off Ashes and Dust is pretty incredible to me. Because that thing is a massive pain in the butt. I mean, yes, but there are other things that you can bring uh, that ignore uh, Hard to Kill and Demise. So uh, Explorer Society has some other things that, uh, most notably... um, when if you bring in like if I'm going against Levy, I'm probably going to slot in Jedza and just kill Ashes and Dust. And when you're like, no, now I'm going to heal. I'm like, no, no, you're not. Yeah, it it is a bit much for two kind of situational abilities. Uh, against Leviticus is probably the strongest case for taking him, and even then, I don't think it's very strong. So we talked about the inaudible whispers on the archivist, and he can choose his own suit with siphon power and a 10 inch range on it. But one of the, uh, the triggers is spin web where you can create a web that's, uh, roughly 10 inches away from the archivist. And oddly enough, a night silk creeper can jump to that web that is 10 inches away. So you surprise have a night silk creeper that is now 12 inches up the board. Who then proceeds to instantaneously explode because they are as squishy as a spider. Eh, he's got hard to wound. I would, he's, he's not by any means a tank, but defense six with hard to wound and eight wounds. He's not, he's not super squishy, but he's also not a, my issue with the night salt creeper is uh, for eight soul stones. I was hoping he'd do a little bit more damage, uh, but he is an outstanding scheme runner, just like the uh, widow weaver and um, bandersnatch. Yeah, I think this is, and this is a note for people playing against Cadmus. You, would I wouldn't blame you if you look at this card to initially think, oh, this is going to be a beater who's going to be in my face. It's got stat seven melee attack. It's got uh, it's on a fifty millimeter base. It's a giant spider bro. Uh, but uh, so in my game, I, I put uh, vendetta on it, and then was surprised to find out that it. It never got anywhere near my guys. It was running around. It was jumping to web markers. It was just being super schemey. So just be aware this guy is not the beater that it looks like. And it's it's probably from the damage stat line, which is only 234. Um, but that, that stat 7 is very nice. 
Yeah, the um, the big thing with the the creeper, and the reason why I mentioned specifically the uh, the archivist is when you're playing in games like um, uh, picking up the the markers in the backfield. Uh, I can never remember the names of these strats. Um, Symbols of authority. Thank you. Uh, so the archivist can cast ten inches to a, to a model, and you get that tome to put the uh, you put it in base contact with it. But it's a fifty millimeter web marker, so uh, the night cell creeper can then jump twelve inches, walk five, pick up a symbol, and then use its bonus action to put another web down six inches away. And at the start of the next turn, it can jump over walk and pick up if you get the initiative jump over walk and pick up the next symbol so if you're not guarding those symbols you can have an easy two-point swing uh just from the night silk creeper going at the end of the uh the turn so uh it's something to keep in mind he is very quick when he needs to be um but one of those things that what that makes him not a good beater is his willpower four if you have terrifying models uh he's not going to do very well against them uh and it's an easy way to if you get a terrifying model against him it's a good way to tie him up uh unless he has web markers to jump to the thing that uh the iso creeper can do if it does get into melee is that it does have the catalyst aura though so poison models take damage at the start of their activation uh in addition to regular poison I can't say poison ticks because that sounds like uh, something that Cadmus would have in his crew, but when the poison uh, procs at the end of turn. This interacts, interestingly, with the We Are Legion ability. If you end up with poison on your own dudes, you can pass that damage off to another model. And uh, I actually used that specific part of it with a poison berserker husk to finish off my opponent's master in the Nexus game that I played. So... Even when he's caught in the middle, uh, it's a bad place for your opponents to be as well. Now that is all predicated on him surviving, of course. I'm glad that uh, that Josh brought up the interaction with poison. There's a uh, a little cute little sub game you can play with poison. Obviously, you know Meredith Stanley can put poison out uh, in mass. The Night Salt Creeper can do it. Uh, and then Nexus herself can change stacks of poison into another uh, status, either shielded or... Um, focus because it has to be a stat with a, a number but uh the the interaction that you just mentioned is also something that you have to be aware of so if you have a model that's poisoned standing next to something with a uh, parasite and the night silk creepers around that's two damage per turn that's just free damage handed off because when he activates catalyst triggers at the end of the turn cattle are the poison triggers so uh that's a, a really nice interaction but once again, the Night Silk Creeper uh, doesn't do so well when caught up in the middle of a crew. But that's where uh, Herman was mentioning, if you run a scheme runner off to the side, this Night Silk Creeper is going to eat it alive. Uh, because it's, it is stat 7 with uh, you know the, the high stat, the 2-3-4 with an automatic poison. Your little 5 soul stone scheme runners that you bring, they're not going to stand up to this guy. Alright, so let's move on to the last model in the Cadmus keyword. Who wants to give us an overview of the Spell Eater? Herman, you want to tell us about that since it's in your faction as well? Yes, this is the best of the guild right here. So it was kind of funny when uh, Jeff and I were playing, he had brought three of them to kind of make almost a, a buggy gun line. So mm. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You already talked about your poison tick bugs. And so there's, I think, a lot of 
utility a lot of Swiss Army knife to these guys because they do have the transmutation ability. They can change conditions over. They have a lot of ways of giving out a variety of conditions with the uh, burning, and that ties back into Witch Hunter and all that. But I think the really big one for me is actually the redirect magic. And that's they can pull all of the triggers out of your opponent and give it to themselves. And I think that's a really huge ability both defensively and that can really mess up any of your opponent's crews that are really trigger heavy, that are really relying on kind of those things happening. When you talk about, you know, uh, Hans having a trigger uh, for every suit. Well, now he doesn't, you know, things of that nature. And so I think that's kind of a really big thing that I like to highlight about them. It is super gross and very annoying. Uh, And I approve. And they get to uh, stick with the theme of having a a ability that only works on friendlies, but you would never cast on a friendly unless that friendly was, in fact, an enemy. The down to the last drop, which uh, does an AoE pulse of damage to the target and everyone within two, every enemy model within two inches, uh, and has a built-in trigger for Cadmus to uh, make people test or gain a Parasite token. So you can just use that as your bonus action every turn, targeting a enemy model that already has a Parasite to uh, potentially hand out Parasites in AoE and even hand out one to the target, which would be their second Parasite token, so that's two automatic damage. So that's a potential bonus action, unresistible tactical, for three damage to one model and an AoE pulse of one damage to the rest. It's really nasty. This is one where I think they actually did a really good job designing this as a dual faction keyword. Because while as a uh, Explore Society player, you're like, okay, I never put that onto a friendly model. As a Witch Hunter, you would not mind that at all. Because you have a lot of Arcane Shielded because... uh, I'm sorry, you have a lot of Shielded because of Arcane Shield. So you're not going to mind taking that one point of damage. Then you're auto-pinging your opponents for one. You're getting that fire out there for another one. And then you're activating all the Witch Hunter fire abilities, such as Sonya's ability to turn things into um, stalkers and things like that. So there's actually a lot more of that synergy there that you wouldn't necessarily see on the Explore side of the house that does happen on the guild side. And and I will say, uh, we, we skipped over Elemental Backlash, but between Witch Hunter and Cadmus, uh, we've already mentioned multiple things in this crew that you, make you want to discard a card to not gain a Parasite or uh, discard a Tome if, or I get to draw a card. Well, uh, within the Cadmus crew, you can start stacking poison onto a model. Within the Witch Hunter crew, you have to discard a card, I think it's to declare a suit or something to that effect, uh, or to declare a trigger. Uh, and you're going to start burning on them. So if you're within six of the spell eater, it's really good. Like the spell eater is a very, very good model for seven uh, soul stones. And I bring at least one in every game. Uh, I have made my spell eater gun line of three of them, uh, 21 points, but you know, it's, it's fun to have them around. And like uh, Herman was saying, uh, because they strip the suits, they're almost always guaranteed to get something off uh, within their triggers. Right, and there we have it. That is all of the models in the Cadmus keyword. We're going to jump to a quick break, and when we get back, we will talk a little bit about out-of-keyword hires and when you want to take Cadmus, what sort of missions. So stick with us, and we'll be right back. Hello. 
Do you like our podcast and want to ensure that it continues to run? Maybe you want to hear our outtakes on unedited footage. Or perhaps you're just flush with cash and you like being generous. Either way, we've set up a Patreon just for you. If you like us, please consider donating. Our Patreon can be located in the show notes. If not, we're all pretty sure that it's Herman's fault. Either way, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a comment. Thanks. All right. Uh, welcome back. So we're going to talk first about a few out of keyboard hires, uh, and then we're going to switch into talking about when you take Cadmus and what your turn one looks like. So let's start first with the out of keyword hires. Um, Jeff, you want to kick us off? Who's your first go-to? Um, my first go-to uh, in general is just seeing if you can fit in uh, either Jesse Halliday or Winston Finnegan. Um, either one of them work really well. Uh, Jesse, if you think you need soul stones and a little bit of card draw. Winston, if you want to have an extra card and he brings extra movement to the crew. Uh, they're both phenomenal within this crew. And uh, you know that's who I bring, I've actually brought them both within the crew. So it's, uh, those are two things that I, I reach for if I need uh, card draw or soul stone generation. How about you, Josh? Who's your go-to? Uh, I will second Winston. The amount of stuff that he brings to the table is just spectacular. Uh, the extra mobility for, for Nexus is nice uh, because you generally speaking, just, want to spend all of her activation doing stuff through other models. You don't want to take those walks. It makes you feel like a real chump. Um, so being able to just shut her up the board while also getting that extra card uh, is just a really, really nice set. Uh, my number two is probably Mikhail. Uh, one of the issues with a lot of the models in, in the Nexus crew is that their defenses just aren't that great. It's a melee crew that does not really have a lot of great defenses and relies on uh, We Are Legion to to keep them standing. And until you can get the engine going, they're at kind of a disadvantage. Uh, but Mikhail gives you a lot of uh, opportunity to protect your crew. Like, I've had the... I, game i played i had the night soul creeper just stand up in the middle of the crew and and dole out poison with his incredibly accurate attacks while doing uh a little bit of scheme running shenanigans um because i had uh winston protecting him from all the other melee models or not winston protecting mikhail protecting him from all the other melee models yeah uh mikhail isn't a cadmus model and therefore doesn't benefit from all the stuff but he synergizes well with them nonetheless um, he can use his uh, Chronicle ability to teleport up to models that are healing. And uh, Meredith Stanley just automatically heals models when they activate. So you can take an injured model and just use it to shuttle Mikhail up the board into a good position, where he can then just do his thing of preventing anyone from attacking your dudes. That sounds pretty good. So... Uh, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, I'm going to throw some honorable mentions and then a secret tech pick here. Uh, these are not out of keyword. They're uh, actually versatile models, but uh, the effigy is a good honorable mention because of his movement ability uh, where he can help move some of the slow crew and then uh, his aura of healing, uh, which is just good in general. Um, 
it really helps this crew because they can pass the healing around. Uh, Hoping Weird puts out a frequently asked question to find out whether or not they can pass the healing if a model is at full life. So as of right now, the rules look like you can't, uh, but I don't think that's intended. So we'll see what happens. Um, The Bellhop Porter... Uh, specifically because it provides a little bit of defense uh, from being charged in your crew, but it also has a nifty little built-in suit uh, for its ranged ability where you can pick another marker on the board, and uh, any marker that's not a scheme marker, and place it in base contact uh, with the model that you're hitting. So uh, you can choose a web marker and just throw it across the board. It's pretty cool. Uh, But the hidden tech here is there's something you have to be careful with when you take any other models with uh, Cadmus. And that's, uh, you don't want to overload on Soul Stones out of keyword because it makes the Will of Cadmus ability at the end of the turn super hard to get off. You want to try to get as many Cadmus models as you can. But there's one model that you can bring that actually helps you out with this, and that's Mr. Nagatoro. And the reason why he helps with it is when you target a friendly model near him, you are at a plus one to the stat, uh, or the plus one to the dual total. So he is effectively, uh, because of that ability, when you target other models, he makes it effectively two Cadmus models when he's brought in. Uh, because, you know, you round up, so he's essentially two Cadmus models using that. He also is allowed, or he does his obey uh, type things, and most things that you're bringing in are going to be lower cost, so uh, getting an extra attack off or an extra ability off with those uh, models is pretty good. And he's got an interesting interactions with Poison, which this crew, crew works really well at. So uh, if you haven't tried him out, go ahead and try out Mr. Nagatoro with the Cadmus crew. Uh, he's a pretty good hire into it. All right. So when so speaking of when you hire things, when are you picking Cadmus overall? What sorts of missions? What sorts of opposing factions? Uh, when are you bringing them in, and when are you not bringing them? I would say the general thing that Cadmus excels at is area control, area control, and area denial. He makes a lot of places where your enemy just doesn't want to go. Because if you get too close to his models, you're going to get parasite tokens and you're going to feed into their offensive and defensive capabilities. Uh, he also has the capability of messing with end of turn positioning because you can use uh, the Will of Cadmus with the uh, uncontrollable twitching trigger to move a model uh, at the end of the activation. Or at the end, or after every other model is activated. So if you have something that's really carefully positioned, you know, next to the leyline marker to claim it uh, within melee reach of your take pri- or within reach of your take prisoner target, whatever, uh, you can potentially just get shunted out of that uh, late in the game uh, after everyone has activated with the will of Cadmus. That seems good. How about you, Jeff? So. For me, uh, the the things that I reach for Cadmus for are recover evidence and uh, uh, symbols of authority. Uh, recover evidence because my crews, I don't usually bring eyes and ears and I don't usually bring the berserker husks. So you can't put a uh, uh, an evidence marker on the really easy to kill models. 
Um, and then uh, we were putting them on the stuff that I want in my backfield. Well, a lot of my stuff is ranged uh, and works really well in ranged, but if you get into melee with me, uh, I'm going to mess you up and give you parasite tokens, so it's not a place you really want to be. And the Night Silk Creeper can jump around to different places that I need him to be, uh, including web markers that are uh, within my own crew. So if you bring a, a model in or if you leave a model isolated out, uh, I can, you know, potentially do things to that. I can also uh, give you a parasite token and make you walk away from your own crew uh, with the Will of Cadmus at the end of the turn. So things like that are really interesting with recover evidence. Uh, but symbols of authority become a lot easier uh, with the Night Silk Creeper. I already kind of went over some of that stuff. Uh, things that I'd avoid, I mentioned earlier, public enemies, because... Uh, they, they're a wave of insects that die very, sorry, a wave of arachnids that die very quickly. Um, and then corrupted ley lines, they're a slow crew uh, in general. And then a lot the stuff that makes them fast are places. So they can't place when they have the, uh, the token, uh, to clean, the cleanse token. So I don't usually reach for them uh, with either of those. But recover evidence and uh, uh, symbols of authority are my go-to for Cadmus. Another mark in favor of symbols of authority is that the uh, shambling husks have two-inch melee, so they can by themselves protect a symbols marker. And since they can just be from the shadow next to it, uh, it makes it hard harder for them to lay claim to one. See, all right. So you've gotten one of these missions. You, it's a mission you like. You've chosen Cadmus. You've declared that as your faction or uh, as your your keyword. Are there any key choices at list building time that are going to be influenced by either your opponent or by the mission? Or are you pretty much taking the same crew every time? I change my crews based on my opponent. And particularly, I mean, ever. I think everyone should do this in general. If you're going against a ranged crew uh, that has a whole lot of guns, you're probably going to want to tech in some stuff that gives you some concealing uh, terrain. I might bring a, a lamp lighter to give me a little bit of concealment. Uh, some, as I mentioned before, any kind of Umbra model, even a cheap one, gives you concealment around them. Um, I will say, the not the strats, but the schemes will change what I take as an upgrade on Nexus. So uh, I, unless the scheme allows for it, I don't usually take something like Treasure Map. However, Treasure Map does give Deadly Pursuit, so Nexus can push four inches at the uh, during the end phase. But on top of that, she gets Buried Treasure as a bonus action, and later in the uh, they don't later in the turn they don't expect you to reach out twelve inches next to a model and remove a uh, any kind of marker that's next to it. So a scheme marker, or uh, you know, if you have somebody that's putting out around a, light, a lot of ice pillars or uh, other kind of markers that are problematic, coffin markers, uh, she can just reach out twelve inches, thirteen inches technically if there's a model next to it and remove that marker so uh that's i think that's an interesting interaction that will catch people off guard uh so that's something to keep in mind how about you josh yeah the it really does come down to the defensive tech that is tailored to the opponent that you're thinking to fight uh if you're expecting to get into melee you have if they have a short range crew uh, that's when you'd bring Mikhail. Uh, if you're going up against the gun line, Mikhail is going to be dramatically less useful, so then you would leave him at home uh, in favor 
of the the deva concealing terrain so you can uh leverage at least some range protection on that um yeah, it really just it's a function of the defensive tech to deal with what your opponent is doing because your uh offensive capabilities via berserker husks are always going to bring and your uh random utility tech via the archivist or something you're always going to bring. It really I think is a function of the defensive tech to deal with the opponent that you're uh attempt- that you're going to face is where the flex comes in in the crew building. That I'm also going to throw out there uh Austera and Twig uh, from the uh, Seeker crew. Uh, she has a lot of abilities that synergize with Nexus. I didn't even mention her earlier. But between uh, being able to discard two low cards and draw two new cards, um, being able to shoot at things outside of your line of sight and drop ski markers from a long distance away, and uh, oh, there was uh, one other really... Oh, when, she, when you heal... Uh, which Cadmus does a, a Seeker crew works really well with Cadmus because of all the healing that happens and the ping damage so that you, that you can heal off of it. But uh, Stare and Twig is a pretty good bring into Cadmus as well. Makes sense. So you, okay, so you've tacked your tech pieces, you're starting the mission. What does turn one look like? What's, what's the key things you need to accomplish? I'll let Josh handle this one first. Okay. So, before you even get to turn one, you need to consider the positioning of your models uh, to allow for Nexus's abilities to be used in an optimal fashion. Uh, What this primarily means is having uh, stuff in the position to exoskeletal connection up the board and having it, as a result drop web markers near you that you can use to summon eyes and ears. So you'll want to have the models that you want to be moved up the board to be uh, near Nexus so that when you exoskeletal connection them, it drops the web marker that he needs for summons near Nexus. Um, so I would put the shambling husk uh, up, up the board so that you have a node for uh, Nexus to use exoskeletal connections from uh and have that sort of as the start of the chain to allow you to start shunting models up the board. Um, the way the turn one will work, you need to determine how many eyes and ears you reasonably expect to summon. And that will sort of depend on what cards you have in hand. And that will determine how many uh, ski markers slash uh, web markers you need to have within a two inch pulse of Nexus uh, to have that go off. Nexus will primarily be used to shunt models up the board early in that first turn. Uh, first, act, early activation will be the Archivist to give Nexus Tomes uh, so that you can auto-trigger Surge, uh, give Nexus Tomes via via Font of Knowledge uh, to give Nexus Tomes to automatically trigger Surge for all of the uh, exoskeletal connections that you cast. Uh, you can then get your uh, exoskeletal connection nodes all in position, uh, activate Nexus, to start shunting the models up the board. Um, and once you have a sufficient number of either web markers or web markers plus ski markers near Nexus, uh, you eyes and ears, or you uh, citizens of Malifaux to summon all of your uh, eyes and ears. This will be followed by uh, 
possibly just burning activations, moving up your eyes and ears, leaving one within uh, the four-inch aura of Meredith Stanley so that she can uh, fungus among us to get a Berserker Husk. Uh, and then start moving that up the board. Uh, depending on exactly what tech you had brought for mobility, be it the uh, Mysterious Effigy or Winston Finnegan, uh, you can start shunting those up the board uh, using uh, Lead the Way or uh, Dirigible Ride, as uh, depending on the model. Um, and uh, that's sort of it. It's going to be a great deal of positioning, most likely, unless you're expecting a serious Alpha Strike. Uh, and if they do aggressively position, you can start opportunistic use of... Uh, uh, um, omnipresent influence to start attacking stuff that happen to engage your more forward uh, models during that time. So yeah, it's a lot of early turn positioning to just start the Citizens of Malifaux engine going, uh, the Berserker Husk engine going, and to get models uh, up the board in the most efficient fashion possible. This will allow you a lot of card cycling, hand shaping in preparation for turn two. Makes sense. So uh, I'm s similar to that. I'm typically going to uh, have a model, uh, well, two models that are within uh, two inches of Nexus that uh, can drop a scheme. So I'll have a, a model drop a scheme marker uh, to the left of Nexus and they'll take a walk forward. Then I'll have a model drop uh, um, a uh, scheme marker to the right of Nexus uh, so that the the two markers are not within four inches of each other using Nexus's base to keep them where they're far enough apart and then that model will usually do something uh, I sometimes I'll have that as Jesse Halliday where uh, she'll give me a soul stone or something to that effect but um, then that first model that I walked forward uh, I'll activate Nexus and I will uh, cast backward uh, around Nexus my models usually start clumped and pull the model up the board to that uh, model that I moved forward, uh, putting a, a web marker next to me. And then I'll do it to the other model that was still standing there, usually Jesse Halliday, to pull it up. Um, so both of those are forward. And then I'll usually cast through one of my uh, shambling nests to pull the, uh, the model up 12 inches up the board and then cast the, uh, the spell to get three eyes and ears off. And if you've been keeping track of these, uh, the markers, as I've been mentioning them, that leaves you one web marker that when Meredith activates, she can turn the eyes and ears into a berserker husk. So uh, that's that's a lot of setup that you've done, but I've now got uh, technically three models, uh, two eyes and ears and one berserker husk. Uh, and then from there, I can uh, move forward and uh, go on. Uh, the Archivist is another one of those models that uh, he doesn't do a whole lot on the first turn. He just kind of needs to shuffle up the board and he needs to get his aura out early. So that may be one of the models that I activate uh, earlier to throw down the scheme markers. But um, that's what you're looking at uh, first turn. And then from there, the Berserker Husks go kind of nuts. Um, don't overlook hiring a Berserker Husk uh, because that may be that model that you get 12 inches up the board that then runs forward uh, like a berserker. So uh, that's what my, my first turns usually look like. Herman? So just um, as we're going through, we're talking about your first turns and your positioning and things like that. Uh, we've talked a little bit about 
how staggered is good against Cadmus because it stops you from doing a lot of these self places where you're helping yourself out. But uh, what about stunned? Does stunned impact Cadmus a lot? I don't think I've ever had Cadmus stunned. No, or uh, Nexus stunned. Uh, for the other crews, uh, for, like for the Berserker Husks and stuff, yes. Uh, uh, they can't uh, do their movements, but most of their stuff is uh, general actions. If you were able to get stunned on Nexus herself, yeah, that would be uh, problematic because she needs to be able to declare triggers. She needs to be able to... Uh, you know, summon things and her bonus action uh, when she's not summoning is just fantastic. But I, like I said, I, she's not usually far enough up where uh, I've, I, like I said, I've never actually gotten her stunned. If you keep it at maximum range, it will be very difficult to stun Nexus. Uh, but it is pretty nasty on the rest of the crew. Um, if you think about this in the context of, uh, the like Pandora skill set is very well suited for uh, cracking the nut that is the uh, the Cadmus crew. Uh, handing out stun prevents some of the models from handing out parasite tokens. It will stop Meredith from handing it out. It will stop Berserker husks from handing it out. Uh, it won't stop uh, Cadmus herself or the shambling husks though. So there's still the option, but you are diminishing some of the like strong AOE uh, parasite token handing out tech by dropping stunned. Yeah, I'm not concerned about stunned uh, on anything other than Nexus because exoskeleton connection can remove uh, conditions. So I'm not really that concerned about that. Let's leave it there and go to a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue the how do you defeat Cadmus discussion with you cannot defeat Cadmus. Uh, some more specific uh, tips, strategies, uh, and, and ideas for folks facing Cadmus. So stick with us. All right, so for this last segment, we're going to briefly touch on tips and tricks and strategies for fighting against Cadmus. What do you do if you're squaring off? against the crazy spider people. Um, I think tip number one, I I will just lead off with, as someone who fell victim to this on my master on turn one, don't get parasites. Definitely don't get parasites on your key models and definitely not your master. Uh, So at all costs, you want to try to avoid parasites, which is actually not as hard as you might think. Um, I, I think this is a good tip for uh, just life in general. Try to avoid parasites. That is true, Jeff. That is a very good life tip as well. Um, I guess you can also add in uh, keep cards in your hand. So yes. a lot of extra card draw. Like if you're playing into Neverborn, you have... Um, I already forgot the name of the upgrade. Ancient Pact. You have Ancient Pact to draw a little extra cards. Uh, like, you know, playing Marcus into that. Every time they discarded a mutation upgrade, you can draw a card. You know, keep those little micro card draw abilities in mind as you're going through. Um, Lucius, obviously, a lot of willpower based stuff and some card draw on his side as well. Obeys are incredibly strong against this crew. I'm just going to throw that about, throw that one out there. So there are three general ways that you get parasite tokens, and you have to think about how to avoid each one of those. 
there's being hit by a hive strike where you avoid it by discarding a card. There's being hit by the uh, shambling husks where you can't avoid it at all if you get hit. And then there are a number of things that give uh, AOE duels or uh, simple duels versus getting a parasite token. And like you said, all of these can be circumvented by having a respectable number of cards in hand. So that's probably one of the key features to get get around having parasite tokens is to have good card draw. Um, and you just need to hold on to those to make sure that you can pass those specific target numbers. Uh, the it's like between twelve and fourteen, depending on the uh, specific action. So you want to hold on to the the cards that will protect your key models from getting from failing those simple duels, uh, even at the expense of you know failing an attack or being hit by some attack of lesser consequence. You just want to hold on to the the cards that will keep you safe from parasites because that is most likely way worse than taking any single hit from this crew. Uh, going back to when we, when we talk about like attacking willpower, I just want to throw out a situation here. It is possible if you have like a Lucius crew is actually pretty good uh, against this because between the card draw and attacking the willpower. But if you obey a berserker husk who is willpower three, so it's not going to be hard. You can make him use swarm of might, which does two damage to him and pulse out uh, it doesn't say enemy models. It says models within range suffer one point of damage. So he can pulse out within his own crew. He takes two. The models within uh, range take one damage. Uh, he can choose to pass off one of those damages because you're controlling the model at that point to another model and within range. And then with the trigger for severe injury, you can give all the models that were damaged by this action injured plus one. So having a berserker husk in the middle of your crew uh, with obeys around is a very bad idea because that it, damage can stack up very quickly. The irony of uh, Nexus specifically being weak to Nexus is is kind of delicious. Uh, yeah, it's uh, using Nexus's own crews against it. Uh, it, 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 it hurts. Uh, it's not a fun prospect. And something else I was going to kind of bring up as well is, you know, we talk about bubbling and not bubbling is try to play the entire table. Um, once you get these individual pieces isolated from each other, they're fairly weak and they go down fairly easily. It's when they're all kind of in the, the Nexus brick, because we all know that Jeff likes to really play tight brick lists, like Jedsa, like Nexus, um, <laughs> that they're the strongest. And, you know, as you're going into this brick, it's going to be very detrimental to you. It's going to be very deadly to go into. So if you're able to be where they're not and make them come out to you, make them isolate themselves to come to you to get their objectives that's a lot better for you. And it also keeps you from bubbling up yourself accidentally and playing Jeff style. And that way you can avoid a lot of their AOE pulses. And I will say, uh, lures, while you're almost always going to get the lure off because of their low willpower, because of their really low movement, they're not going to be super effective. And if I'm putting, if you are playing Nexus, uh, and you notice that there's a lot of lures on the other side of the table, just throw those web markers in front of you because your guys will be moving. As an example, the shambling nest will move one and a half inches when it gets lured, so not that big of a concern. That's actually something for the Nexus player, is don't put your web markers blocking yourself, too. 
Yeah, it's the web markers. You need to be careful how you place those because there have been many a times where I wanted to move to a place and there's a web marker in the way. And you, with the exception of uh, the um, uh, Night Silk Creeper, nobody else is unimpeded. So it's problematic. More proof that they are, in fact, bugs, not spiders. <laughs> not, not all, not all arachnids no. spin webs. God, okay, focus. Anyway, range attacks are also uh, pretty nice against this crew. They are very melee-centric, and if you can deal with them before they can actually threaten you, uh, all the better. Taking out a uh, shambling husk, or shambling um, mound before they can get within range to be annoying is is pretty satisfying and can help uh, diminish Nexus's ability to move up the board and threaten you in later turns. Yeah, I think like, you know, Parker with the running gun and the charging so they can spread out and shoot you is pretty effective. Yeah, I, I, guns in general, Hans is going to be a good pick here because he can ignore the concealing counter counter tech piece. Um, Leviticus has a range, a powerful ranged attack against willpower, which is going to be good against a lot of weaker models. Um, I think Cadmus might might actually be a time. I don't know. The internet may say I'm, I'm bad for suggesting this, but it might be the time to bring the Draken Trooper because um, he does ranged. It's ranged damage. It's burning. It's doing uh, it's doing blasts, so you're potentially hitting a lot of models. And as you said, Cadmus ten often has models near each other, at least at various parts of the turn. And there's a trigger to move them. So if you have the ability to move enemy models that have already activated, blocking other ones, it doesn't fully gum them up, but it can really make the positioning game a lot harder. So if you if you put out that burning, if you put out all those other things, um, that burning triggers after the activation phase. So it can't be passed off to your own guys. Just steer clear of Meredith Stanley being able to move the burning to your own guys. And if you are playing Resurrectionists into uh, Cadmus, uh, just go ahead and bring some terrifying and laugh at your opponent when you bring uh, Anna Lovelace as well because Anna has a six-inch aura of screw you, Cadmus, uh, and it really sucks. She completely shuts down Cadmus in almost every way, shape, or form. So it, it sucks. Uh, she is a complete counter. It, it's Have pretty awesome. Have you decided that um, Zoraida basically counters all of Explorer Society? Um, no. Uh, well... Yeah, not entirely, but Zareda is a uh, you know between the the willpower shenanigans and things like that. It's uh, it's not a bad uh, bring, especially with the obeys. I like the the small pleasure of putting poison on the night Cell creeper, so that he takes damage because of his own catalyst aura. That is a uh, particularly viscerally satisfying to do. Yeah, unlike the actual McMorning crew, if the Night Silk Creeper gets poisoned, uh, he doesn't heal or anything from it. He just takes damage from poison. And when he activates, he takes damage from poison. So eh. He can shunt that onto the models, but then that we get back to Parasite mitigation being the ultimate key in dealing with Academy's crew. 
Yeah, uh, something just uh, the reason why we talk, we keep talking about how parasites are bad. A lot of these abilities that are strong involve hurting your own people, and if you don't have a parasite token, that's just taking wounds from me. Like I can't pass those off, and it starts to add up. So if you can manage to keep from getting the parasites on you, uh, uh, this crew is very manageable and very easy to take out. Uh, which is one of those things where people are going to have to master the ways of getting the parasites out because honestly, there's only uh, a couple of ways of getting them out within the crew. And if you save your cards for those uh, specific examples, uh, then you know you're, you're sitting in a pretty good shape. All right, and there we have it. Any last thoughts? We'll go around the horn. Last thoughts on Cadmus, Jeff. Bugs are strong. All right, Herman. Uh, just rewatch Starship Troopers a couple times and you'll be fine. <laughs> Josh. All of you guys are idiots. Except for Owen. Owen's pretty cool. All right. And on that note, we will leave it there. And we will come back in your feed soon with another exciting podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We hope you tune in next time.